Welcome to the Celebrate Community Church of Yankton podcast. My name is Jeff Todd, and I have the privilege of serving as pastor of this amazing church community here in Yankton, South Dakota. I just want to say thank you for joining us, and it's my prayer that this week's message will truly encourage you. Enjoy. If you're not familiar with basketball or sports, let me just help you with what that means. He led the UCLA Bruins to 10 national championships in a 12-year span, including seven in a row. Just by comparison, to put that in perspective, no other collegiate basketball team in history has won more than four in a row, and he won seven in a row, 10 out of 12. During that seven-year run, UCLA also set a record by winning 88 games in a row, which is a phenomenal feat that might never be beat. But one of the reasons why, you've heard me say this before if you've been here, I love John Wooden is not because of what he did on the basketball court. One of the reasons why I love John Wooden is because John Wooden was a man of deep, deep faith. And he said, you know, it's a glory to be written here on earth in in the Men's Hall of Fame. But he said, I consider that nothing, knowing that my name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And and John Wooden has gone on to be with Jesus, and and I'm sure he's celebrating that right now. But but one of the things that I want to tell you about this that, that I find is just fascinating about John Wooden. Again, this is this most successful basketball coach in history. What he would do on the very first practice of the year, he would gather his team up, and before they did anything, the very first time his team would ever come to the court, he would take them on the court, he'd sit them down on the baseline, and he'd say, gentlemen, this is how you put on your socks. Gentlemen, this is how you put on your shoes. Now, I want you to think about that for a second. These are the most highly recruited athletes in the nation, right? This is the number one program. So these are guys that are used to having, let's just say, a lot of praise and a lot of pomp. And and here this great basketball coach sits them down on the floor like a bunch of kindergartners (laughs) and teaches them how to put on their socks and put on their shoes. Now, why would he do that? And, And this is the point that I love, and I don't want you to miss, is because if you can't accomplish anything great if you don't do the basics first. John wouldn't recognize that we can't win another national championship. We can't win another game unless we get the basic, the fundamental principles down first. And there's nothing more basic for a basketball player than their feet. Think about that. You can't do anything if you don't have your socks put on right. If you don't have your shoes put on, you could get hurt. You're not as good as performance. So every year he would sit his team down and he would do that. So here's what I want to say, church, and why am I talking about John Wooden? I want everybody to turn to Acts chapter 2. If you got your Bibles, if you don't have a Bible, let us know. We'd love to get you one. There's a free app called YouVersion. It's available on any smartphone or device. You can download it right now. Um, but as you go to Acts chapter 2, we're going to get back to the basics. Today is going to be a very basic message on what it means to be the church. And if you're familiar with God's word, you should recognize Acts chapter 2 is literally the birthday of the church when the church was first started, the day that it was started. And there's some basic things about the church that we need to understand, and we're going to unpack that together. But before we do that, I just want to remind you, we've been in this series called The Real McCoy. And again, if you're watching online, if you're listening to our podcast, we're glad that you're here and doing that. But we've been saying, what's The Real McCoy? What does it mean to really say, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ? Not just I show up to church on Sunday, but what does it mean to be an authentic believer in Jesus Christ? And you've heard me say the fact that a lot of people in the world look at the church and they say there's a lot of hypocrisy. One of the reasons why I don't want to be part of a church is because somebody will show up to church on Sunday, but they don't live it out in their life. See, they're not being the real McCoy. And that's what I said for our church. What does it mean if every single man, woman, and child who's part of this church decides I'm going to be the real McCoy? I'm going to follow what Jesus says. And, And we've been talking about how it's not what other people say about us, right? 
Is that what Jesus would say? If Jesus looks at each one of us, would Jesus say, yes, they're the real McCoy. There's somebody that we need to follow. And that's why we've been doing those devotions every day. And I encourage you, if you've missed it or haven't been doing it, it's not too late. <laughs> Go to our website and every day we put on Facebook and Instagram, read those devotions. There's Bible verses that are there. There's questions that kind of help us. The more you comment and like and share, the more people get to see that. But, but I, the purpose of that is just to help us build that habit into our lives to say, if we want to be the real McCoy, we need to be in God's word. And two weeks ago, again, if you weren't here, we talked about mastering our emotions. How do I deal with what I feel? And we said, I made this statement. I said, it's really easy to act like Jesus. It's really easy to act like Jesus when everything is going great, when I'm well-rested, when I'm well-fed, but it's really hard sometimes to react like Jesus. See, I don't know about you, but I got people that I have to deal with in my life. <laughs> and sometimes it makes it hard to react like Jesus. We need to control, master our emotions. And I gave you some ways that we can do that. And last week, if you were here, we talked about renewing our mind. Changing our thinking is how we change our life. So many people, I want to change my life. You have to change how you're thinking if you want to change your life. And we talked about how we need to feed it daily, free it, and we need to fix it on Jesus. So today, as we continue through this, we're going to talk about godly relationships. And I'm going to look at this passage in Acts 2, although it might be familiar to some of you. We're going to kind of look at it in a different way. Because again, I'll say it again, this is the basics about what it means to be God's church. If we want to really get down to the basics of what it means, look at Acts chapter 2. And just to set this up for you, the disciples, there was about 120 people when Jesus went up to heaven that were followers of Jesus Christ. Think about that. 120 men and women literally changed the entire world because of the life of Jesus Christ. But it didn't just happen like that. In fact, after Jesus went back to heaven, they went back to Jerusalem, and they went in a period of waiting where they would sit and they would be together. They would pray. They weren't sure what to do. And that uh, Luke tells us in Acts that that lasted 40 days. And I'm going to tell you as this, some of us as people, as believers, sometimes we find ourselves in the waiting room, don't we? <laughs> where, we're, where we feel like God's called us to do something great and we're ready and we're ready to go. But God just says, just sit and wait for right now. And that's where the disciples were at. They were in this period of sitting and waiting because Jesus had promised the Spirit would come. And in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost, Jesus sent his Holy Spirit, and it completely changed these disciples. And these disciples went out, and they shared God's love, and Peter gave a great sermon, Acts chapter 2. I encourage you to go back and read that part of it. And as a result of their, their, their faithfulness, as a result of the Holy Spirit, they said over 3,000 people. So in one day, think about this church. You've got a church of about 120, and in one day it grows to 3,000 people <laughs> in one day. See what my God can do? And, and how does that work? What does that look like? Do you think there might have been some issues? <laughs> Do you think it might have been? Just, just, just by comparison, just imagine that next Sunday, all right, we're, we're here, we're this group. Let's just do the math on this. Let's just say that next Sunday, 2,000 people show up. You think that would cause some problems? <laughs> you think there might be a little personnel issues? But do you think my God can still work through it? I think he could. But here's what I'm going to say, and, and I hope this doesn't hurt church, but I love you, but I want to say it. See, I think there's some things as a church we need to start getting right. Because if we want God to add to our numbers, we need to be like John Wood. And we need to sit down and maybe put on our socks and shoes and learn how that works. So that's what the purpose of this message is. So Acts chapter 2, verse 42. This is what it looked like to grow from 120 to 3,000 in one day. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to breaking of the bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. 
all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who was in need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added their number daily, those who were being saved. This note sheet that you had on your chair, if you want to take this out and flip it over in the back, the back of it is blank. The reason for that is because we've got some things we want to write down because I believe that what we're talking about here is important and we need to remember it past Sunday. And if you write it down, I guarantee you, you'll remember it past Sunday. So I'm going to give you three basics of being in a godly relationship. Three things, three kind of fundamental basics that we need to put on if we want to have godly relationships. Here's the first one. We need maturity. If you want to have a godly relationship, you need to have maturity. Again, look at verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to breaking the bread, and to prayer. You know, there was an article in Psychology Today that talked about why marriages last. And I'm going to take out the word marriage, and I want to put in the word relationships, because I think this is so important. Why? Because even if you're not married, this applies to your relationships. Look at what it says. A key to lasting relationships is a belief that relationships are a long-term commitment. It is a sacred institution. Many of the respondents thought that the present generation takes their commitments too lightly, and they're not willing to work through the difficult times. But successful relationships see their relationships as something that demands that sometimes we grit our teeth and plunge ahead despite difficulties. You see, the problem in our relationships a lot of times is we're in relationships for what I can get out of the relationship. As long as the relationship benefits me, I will still be part of the relationship. But here's the problem. We'll come to a point in every single relationship, if you haven't got there yet, you will, where this relationship will no longer be a benefit to you. Or there'll be a part in a relationship where you adamantly disagree with the person that you're in a relationship with. And then when that happens, what we teach in the world is we say, okay, well, then I'm done with this person. I'm just going to check out. I'm, I'm just done. I'm going to walk away. We move. It happens in marriage all the time, doesn't it? Happens in our jobs. It happens in our families. Can I just be honest? It happens in the church. And that's what it talks about being immature. Because see, here's the thing. Maturity means devotion. And that's what that verse is talking about. I, I've heard it said this way that a lot of times it's the difference between renting and owning. If you think about it in this way, when I was out, uh, we took a vacation a couple weeks ago. We had a rental car, right? If you've ever had a rental car, you treat it a little differently than you do your car. You know, you know what I never thought? I never thought, well, I should probably go get some new tires on this car. <laughs> I didn't think that way. You know why? Because it was a rental car. We were going to use it for a week. We were going to be done with it. And we'd never see that car probably ever again. And that's the problem, I think, in so many people we see in our lives. We see them as a benefit right now in this moment, and I can get something from them, or they're going to benefit me, and then I'm done, and I'm going to push them to the side, and I'm never going to need them again. Church, that's not how God designed us. God designed us to be in relationships, committed relationships to each other, in our families, in our church, and in our lives. There's a difference between renting and owning. And I want us to go back to verse 42 again. Look at what it says. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. That's God's word. That's what every day we need to be in that. Again, that's talking about the devotion. Every day we need to be in God's word. They were in fellowship and breaking of the bread and prayer. See, if you want to have a mature relationship, you need to have those things. You need to be in God's word. You need to be in fellowship with other believers. You need to have prayer. 
And this is what Jesus says, so don't get mad at me. This is Jesus' word. You'll know my disciples by how you love one another. How you deal with your relationships is the evidence of the fact that Jesus is part of your life. Can I just say it again? It means if you're the real McCoy. If you're the real McCoy, you're the type of person that says, I, you can count on me. I'm not going anywhere. I love you. I'm committed to this relationship. I'm staying put where I'm at. That's what maturity means. It means devotion. I'm sticking with you. And if you struggle with that, I just want to back it up one more time and say, isn't that what Jesus did on the cross? Jesus said, I love you. And I know that your sin has separated us. You've done some things that hurt me, but I love you and I'm staying here. In fact, I'm going to passionately pursue you like we already said. So my question to you, are you willing to commit to a relationship for the long haul? Because that's what we need to do. See, every single relationship that you are in, no matter what the role, if it's a marriage, if it's a job, if it's a friendship, if it's a church, every single relationship is in one of three places. You might not write these down. Every single relationship is either thriving, surviving, or dying. Every relationship you're part of, they're either thriving, surviving, or dying. And as a follower of Jesus Christ, our job is to know where we're at with all these relationships. Is my relationship thriving right now? Is my relationship with God thriving right now? If it's not, if it's just surviving, what do we need to do to take it to that next level? If your relationship with God is dying right now, how do we get it up to at least surviving? How do we take that next step and move that forward? Because God designed us to have thriving relationships with people in our lives and with him. How do we do that? You know, one of the things that I've really struggled with being the pastor here and, and, you know, learning what I've done the last three years, and I'm just so proud of what God's done. I'm excited to be your pastor. But there's something that I just want to let you know that I've really been wrestling with for the last year in our church, and that's the idea of membership. Now, if you've been part of Celebrate since the beginning, and many of you have, you understand that we used to have a class where we would come in and I would teach a membership class and we would go through what it means to be part of Celebrate. We'd walk through that. We had a little covenant that we'd sign and we'd say, yes, I'm a member of Celebrate Church. You might have noticed we haven't done that for about a year. There's a reason for that because I really struggle with it. And I just, I'm going to get vulnerable and let you know I had a problem with that and here's what it was. See, I saw that as a marriage. I really did. I said, if you sign the dot, and I, I said it in the class. I said, listen, if you sign up and you say, I'm a member of church, I'm putting my hand up, I'm saying, I'm part of Celebrate Church, I'm committed to that. We see it like a marriage. Now, does that mean the marriage can't end? No, sometimes marriages end. I get that. But what broke my heart was how quickly that would happen. And, and, and it's not just our church. Please don't hear this as a guilt trip. This is throughout the country. See, what I'm saying is we say we're the real McCoy. We say we're the follower of Jesus Christ. We put our hand up and we say, yes, I'm going to be part of this church. And as soon as I don't like the music, I'm going to go find some church where I like the music. I just don't think God's okay with that. As soon as I find something, a problem with me or with somebody else in church, well, now I'm done. I'm never going to come back there again. I just don't get that. And I struggle with that. So I've really been trying to work through that. You know, and, and I've heard this said and again, I'm, I'm trying to be careful here, but I've heard people make the statement, well, God's calling me somewhere else. Okay, I have two problems with that. The first one is, if you say God's calling me, kind of eliminates the argument, doesn't it? <laughs> what am I going to say? Who am I? Okay, I can't out Okay, God's calling you away. But here's the second problem. This is where I, I've gone with this, and, and I, really, I really want you to understand this. God doesn't ever call you away from something. God calls you to something. I'm going to say that again because I want, it's a very important point to understand. God will never call you away from something. God will call you to something. And I can show you that in Scripture, but I'm just going to give you a really, really quick example of that. And this could be a whole message in itself, but 
God didn't call Elaine and I away from Sioux Falls. God called Elaine and I to Yankton. Do you see the difference in that? See, it's, like, it's not like, oh, we're done with Sioux Falls. Oh, we're mad or there's something going on. And, oh, I guess it's time for us to leave. I guess we better go somewhere else. It wasn't even the furthest thing from the truth. God called us specifically to Yankton. And because of that, now it's time for me to go. And now it's time for me to move to Yankton. And, and like I just shared, we've had friends, Casey and Amanda with some. We had hundreds of people. I'm not exaggerating. Like we were there 15 years. There's a lot of people that we said goodbye to. But it was, again, it wasn't like, okay, we're mad and we're leaving. No, God's called us to something else. And when we shared it with our church, our pastor and our leadership there, we went to them. <laughs> we went to them. We said, hey, God's calling us to plant a church in Yankton. You know what they said? We feel the same way. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. There's a unity there that comes with that. And they said, not only that, Jeff, we're going to support you. We're going to promote that. We're going to do everything we can to help you. And then Elaine and I stood before our church. You see what I'm talking about? We stood before our church, and we announced, hey, we're leaving Sioux Falls. We're going to Yankton because we're going to plant this church. And guess what everybody did? They applauded. <laughs> and they started praying. Do you see how that worked? Do you see the difference between that and sneaking out the back door? You see what I'm talking about? That, that's what I think in, in our country, when they look at the church, they say, I don't want to have anything to do with God's church. That's why. Because we got so many people in the church that will just sneak out the back door and say, oh, well, I, you know, God's calling me away. I just don't buy that. See, and it comes back to the point that I'm saying is maturity. Being spiritually mature recognizes that, you know what, there's going to be times of conflict. There's going to be times where we struggle with each other. And what God calls us to do, again, don't be mad at me, this is Jesus Jesus said, if a brother or sister has a problem, you sit down with them first and you talk to them about it first. And if that doesn't work, because sometimes it doesn't work, can we just be honest? Then you bring one or two other godly people around and you have the conversation. And if that doesn't work, because sometimes that doesn't work, then you bring others along and you say, hey, this is something that's going on. And at that point, I've seen this before hundreds of times. At that point, one or both of you are not walking with Jesus. And that's the point where you do have to sometimes put up some boundaries and guardrails. That's what it means to be a mature relationship. This is my point. Again, I'll just, just move on to the next one. But just so you can understand what it means to be a mature believer, it's not easy to just say bye. That's the easy way out. That's immature. If you want to have a committed relationship, godly relationships, it takes maturity. That's the first basic principle of a godly relationship. Here's number two. And again, you want to write these down. Three basics of a godly relationship. The second one is ministry. Ministry. Now, you might say, wait a minute. I don't have ministry in my relationships. Well, we'll talk about that. But before we do that, I want to look at, again, verse 45. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who has a need. Every day, don't miss that. Every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Now, you guys know how much I love God's word. And, and whenever we have a word, that word every day, it's important, it's significant. And so I'm going to walk you through something that you need to understand about the language that's written here. Luke uh, wrote the book of Acts. That's Luke from the Gospels, Luke, right? He wasn't one of Jesus' disciples. He was an early believer. He was actually a Greek. So he wrote the book of Luke and the book of Acts talking about this. In the language here in Greek, that word every day has very significance. Now, I did some homework on this, and the word every day, you know what it stands for? It means every day. <laughs> but not just that, not just that, the way that it's applied here actually applies, that word every day applies to every one of the next three statements in Greek. So let me read this to you, 
how it would sound as Luke wrote it. Read this verse again. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. Every day they broke bread together in their homes. Every day they ate together with glad and sincere hearts. The emphasis on that is what? Not just Sunday. Oh, you mean if I'm going to be the real McCoy, it means that I'm part of the body of Christ seven days a week? Uh Uh-huh. Every day they would do these things. Do you see the problem in our culture? We think if I come on Sunday, if I sit for an hour, I check the box, I'm good, and I'm going to go, and I'm just going to do whatever I want the rest of my life. doesn't work that way, church. Every day. And and I'm going to say this again. The first church, this early church, they didn't have to be together. They desired to be together. And there's a huge difference between those two things, isn't there? Whether you desire to be together or you have to be together, those are two different things. Hebrews 10 says it this way. Let us consider how we may spur one another on forward toward love and good deeds. How do we do that? Not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. See, I love that word habit. We talk about habit sometimes in a negative thing, like I have this bad habit. We need to stop doing that. We need to start thinking about habits in the positive, because we can create good habits too. One of the good habits we can create, you're doing right now. Do we want you here every Sunday? Yes! That's a, that's a good habit to get into. If you're watching online, that's a good habit to get into. If you're listening to the podcast and you're exercising or driving or whatever you do when you listen to our podcast, that's a good thing to do. It's a good habit to get into. But the other thing I want you to understand is habits aren't just about one day a week. It's about every single day. So I want to break this down to you further where it talks about being in the temple courts. And it talks about ministry. See, the ministry happened together in the temple courts. We call that our corporate worship. Gathering together one day a week to celebrate and worship God and fellowship is important. It's a fundamental piece we need to do. But, but here's what I want to ask you a question. When you show up today, when you show up on Sunday to worship God, are you here to give or are you here to take? Because if you're the real McCoy, when you come in the door, it's not about you. Now, I, there's a lot of people in this room that I love and I know, and I love having conversations with them. If I'm, if I'm talking with somebody and somebody walks in the door and I don't recognize them, my conversation with you stops. Why? Because I can talk to you whenever I want, right? I got your number. We're part of the church. I'm going to go and I'm going to talk. This is a new person I don't know. And, and don't feel like you have to like, have a 45-minute conversation and share your life story. Just smile and say hi. Welcome. We're glad you're here. See how that works? See, that's what it means to be ministry in the temple courts together. Ministry also happened in their homes. I refer to that as your small group. You need to have people in your life, kind of those kitchen friends we've talked about before, where if it's 2 o'clock in the morning and I need to call somebody, who are you going to call? And I'm surprised how many people don't have that. And if you're one of those people, welcome home. We're glad you're here. There's a whole bunch of people in this room who would be those people who would say, I want to be ministering to you. I want to be in the word with you together. I want to share your struggles. I want to share your prayer requests. See, that's where ministry can happen in those small group areas too. But it said ministry happened with glad and sincere hearts. Have you ever had this happen before when you're with somebody and you kind of got the sense they weren't enjoying it or they kind of wanted to be somewhere else as soon as possible? Ever get that feeling? I get that feeling all the time. I don't take it personal. (laughs) But it's true. We can sense that. See, our world, I've said it before, wants us to be authentic. It wants us to be real. 
don't be fake with somebody just because you think you need to. If, if you're tired or you need to get going, go. Don't, don't feel like I have to, to spend time with this person just because. No, they pick up on that. Be glad and sincere. Now, if that's always your attitude, we want to look at that. Because <laughs> you need to have some times where you're like, okay, I'm going to invest in this person. I, for me, how I do it is I schedule time with people. Many of you know I, I'm, very, I'm a very scheduled person. I, I try to be very disciplined with my time. And so if somebody wants to sit down and talk with me, I'll put it on my calendar. I'll set it down and say, listen, how about 2 o'clock on Tuesday? We'll sit down and we'll do this together. Because then I can be focused and I can just dedicate that time to that person. That's what works for me. Everybody's different in that. you got to kind of know yourself and how you work. But that's kind of how I operate. See, do it with a glad and sincere heart. But the other thing that I want to say about ministry is ministry is a joy J-O-Y, not a job, J-O-B. Ministry should be a joy, not a job. If you are doing something for the love of Jesus Christ and for the ministry of Jesus Christ and you're miserable, everybody look right here. Stop doing it. <laughs> it should be a joy, not a job. And that's why I say there's always things to do. There's always ways at church that you can help out, you can serve, you can give the gifts that God's giving you. If you start something, and I've said this from day one of this church, if let's say it's coffee, let's say, you know what, I want to help out with coffee. And every Sunday, pastor, I want to be the one to make sure that all of our coffee is ready to go and the water's ready and it's all clean and all that stuff. Pastor, I want to do that. And if you do it for two Sundays in a row and you're like, I don't like doing this, stop doing it. <laughs> and people will say, oh, well, then who's going to do it? No. Because God knows your heart. And if you serve God with an unwilling or unrepentant heart, or you're kind of like dragging your feet, you're not fooling anybody. God sees that too. See, ministry should be a joy. You know what one of my joys is? What I'm doing right now. I love preaching God's word. It's a joy for me. I get excited about it. Can you tell? <laughs> I love preaching God's word. It's a joy for me. It's not a job for me. And the day that it becomes a job, I'll sit down and let somebody else preach because it needs to be a joy. See, what are you doing that is a ministry that is a joy for you? And where are you doing at? Do we need it here on Sundays? Yes. Do we need it in small groups? Yes. But how are you giving your gifts to serve God? And that's one of the reasons why we're doing this event October 31st. And, and it's why I'm going to keep coming back to it again and again. And I'm just going to say it. If you don't want to be a part of it, I love you, but just don't, okay? But, but here's what I'm saying. The reason why we're doing it is because everyone has a gift they've been given. And those gifts are given to glorify God and to bless others. So what is a gift that you've been given that you can use that day? Maybe you just say, listen, I don't want to be around kids or whatever else. Maybe you just need to buy some candy and drop it off here. That's being a joy. That's, that's a blessing that you can give. You know, maybe you have a connection with people or you want to invite people to come, whatever that looks like. But that's what I'm, where I'm getting at this is I think as a church, one of the things that we can do better is serve God together as a church. Because when you do ministry with each other, you really get to know people well, don't you? And the more you do those types of things and serve together, you get to know people and you understand what their gifts are and how can they bless other people. See, part of having a godly relationship is being mature. But the other part is ministry is being in a godly relationship. Here's the third one. We want to be mature. We want to be in ministry. But the third one is we need to be in a mission. If you want to have a godly relationship with a person, you need to be on mission. Dr. Joanne Lyons, who is the founder of World Hope, a dear friend of our church, many of you know, we've talked about her before. She serves on our, I have the privilege of serving with Dr. Joanne Lyons on our network board for our Celebrate Network. Um, she's uh, an incredible woman. She's been all over the world. 
Um, just She was here one week. We had her on video preaching. Just love that lady. But she said something that just really hit me. And this is what she said. God does not have a church with a mission in the world. God has a mission with a church in the world. I'm going to say that again. God doesn't have a church with a mission in the world. God has a mission with the church in the world. And what's God's mission? That every man, woman, and child would know him and love him. That's God's mission. And how do we as a church become a part of God's mission? Look at what Acts 2, 47, the first part says, this is how it looked in the early church. They were praising God and enjoying favor with all people. You know what the problem is? I'm guilty of this. I'm sure you are too. We try to fit God into our mission. We say, God, I want you to be part of my family. I want you to be part of my, God, I want you to be part of my job. God, I want you to be part of my kids. As a pastor, I've done this. God, I want you to be part of our church. (laughs) Can I help you with that? God doesn't want to fit into your life. God wants to be your life. God wants to be your mission. His impact is to impact, his mission is to impact every relationship that you have with his mission, not yours. Maybe you've heard the phrase, God loves you and I have a wonderful plan for your life. (laughs) God loves you and he has a wonderful plan for your life. I want to be part of God's mission. And and I'm going to give you an example of this. And and I I struggle with this because I don't, I'm not saying it to bring attention to myself. But many of you know, I was a part of a play um, here in Yankton, and, and it was it was just such a, such a cool experience, and and I want to share, you know, Ursula last week was so generous to get up here and, and, and explain that to you guys, and thank you for those of you who were able to come and be a part of that, but but I want to tell you a couple things about that that you need to know. Um, the first one is, I just didn't do that just because I thought it would be fun, <laughs> okay? I, I'm very strategic about what I do, and, and I say no to more things than I say yes to because I have to, all right? But when God presented that opportunity to me, um, I want you to know, I, wasn't, I didn't join that cast to be part of the cast. I joined that cast on a mission. And that mission was to go there and to be Jesus to that cast and, and, and to share God's love. And I prayed and I said, God, I'm just asking that you would do that. And I don't know how, I don't know why, but I just want to be that for you. And I'm going to share with you a couple things that you need to hear about. One of those things was that I was asked... Um, about the last week of our performance, I was asked to give a prayer before one of the rehearsals. And it actually became a thing. And then literally every single practice and performance that we did, I got the opportunity to pray for our cast before we did that. I didn't go asking for that. I didn't stand up and say, listen to me. And again, I'm not saying that to bring attention to myself. I'm just saying, do you see what God can do when you put yourself in his mission? Do you see how God can move in some cool ways? And, and we talked about we had this, the, the cast party that was here. And every single one of our cast members were here. There was only two that weren't able to make it, but it was pretty cool because they actually attended last week. And so here's what I'm saying. Every single one of those cast members have been in this room. Every single one of those cast members, I got a chance to share with what we do here and the mission that God's called us to do. I don't know what God's going to do with that, but I'm just, again, I'm saying that I don't want to bring attention to myself. I'm not trying to... to bring the focus on me. The only reason I say that is because I say, I'm a husband too. I'm a father too. I work 40 hours a week too, okay? I, oh, and by the way, I pastor this church too, okay? So whatever you got for an excuse, I probably got a bigger one. And, and maybe I'm not telling you to run out and be an elf. If you want to be an elf, it's great. It's a great play. It's going to happen. If maybe that's what God's calling you to do. Maybe go do that. But here's what I'm here to say. What is the mission that God has called you to? Because every single person, if you're the real McCoy and you follow Jesus Christ, 
where is God putting you that you can serve in that mission together? And the other thing that I'm going to say about that is, as a result of that, see, it was a short-term commitment. That's one of the reasons why I said yes. <laughs> I knew there was an end date, and it's over. Um, but out of that now, there's two opportunities that have presented themselves to really significantly impact our community that I've been offered with. And I, I had no clue that was going to happen. And, and I can't share them right now because it's, it's not, it's still kind of in the works. But I just, I kind of like turned my head to the side and go, oh, really? Okay. <laughs> this is kind of interesting how God does that. Do you see how that works? When you make yourself available to God's mission, see, I'm going to say it again. God doesn't have a church with a mission in the world. God has a mission with a church in the world. You don't invite God to be part of your plan. You surrender your plans to his plan. And you say, God, I'm on mission. And what's God's mission? He wants every man, woman, and child to know the love of Jesus Christ. And he's going to do that through your job. He's going to do that through your neighborhood. He's going to do that through your church. He's going to do that through your family. When we decide that we're going to be the real McCoy and we're going to live our life on mission. See, the world is not looking for perfection. We need to get that out of our heads. If you say, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, there's a lie from Satan that you believe that you've got to be perfect and you've got to have everything figured out before you can share that love. That's a lie. The world is not looking for perfection. The world is looking for real and authentic. The world needs to hear you say, listen, yes, I go to church every Sunday. I have this awesome church. They're great. But you know what? Last night, I really struggled, and I fill in the blank. And I feel terrible about that, and I need to ask for your forgiveness. Can we move forward in our relationship? That's what our world needs to see, real, authentic relationships that have maturity, that minister through that, in that, and that are on mission. Because here's what I want you to see, the rest of verse 47 in Acts 2. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Church, I want that. Because I know so many people right now who are separated from their father. And they're lost, and they don't know where to go. And we have an opportunity to build those relationships with them. And I think this is so basic and so fundamental to who we are as a church. And one of the things that I've done, you may have heard this before when I've preached this message before, I love the show Cheers. If you remember that show Cheers, I love that show Cheers. And it was about a place where everybody knows your, and they're always glad you, that should be God's church. Now, what I didn't know in the three years before when I was preaching that is someday we'd have a church and guess what the name of the restaurant is where we meet at? Cheers. Isn't God funny? That's the first time I've got to say that here and I've been waiting for it. This should be a place where everybody knows your name and they're always glad you came. You know what I love about that show? There's a bunch of imperfect people in that show, isn't there? You know, and there were some people and they, you know what I loved about that show? I loved Carla. You know what I loved Carla in that show? She was so honest. She would just say it how it is. Let's do that, church. But you know what? They kept coming back, didn't they? Because they were committed to those relationships. It was so much more than a place. But I love that. Church, I'm telling you, if we could get this right, if we could be the church that says, you know what? I'm going to love you no matter what. I know you got some stuff. I know we've had some problems. I know whatever that is. But let's just put that aside. Let's keep pushing forward in relationship and in love with each other. And let's serve God together. You have gifts. I have gifts. You have strengths. I have weaknesses. How can we come together and just love people in the way that God's given it to us? Because we're on a mission. We are on a mission. God has a mission for the church and the world. 
And it starts with these three things. Now, I want everybody to take their note sheet again. I want you to turn over to this front side. Because if you notice on the front of this, and this has been ever since we started this church, we have a vision statement. We want people to do what, church? Yeah, we want people to meet Jesus. And our mission is for we want people to meet Jesus. I need to do what? I need to live like Jesus. And if you look at our five values we have in there, we have one called worship, which is our relationship with God. Everything starts with our relationship with God. And then we need to have a relationship with other people. You can't be a follower of Jesus Christ in isolation. It doesn't work that way. People say, it's just me and Jesus. That's not even biblical. You're wrong. You need to have other people in your life. And what does that look like? See those three M's? They look familiar? <laughs> we just talked about them. We've been saying this since the beginning. It takes maturity. We need to grow in our faith every day. It takes ministry. We need to give the gifts that God's given us in a way that can bless other people. And we need to be on mission, which is to share his love with everyone. And church, when we are a church that is on mission with God, the gates of hell will not prevail. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for everybody in this room. And I thank you for their commitment to you first and foremost. That they said, yes, God, I want to be a follower of you. And they took their time and they, they made those habits to start coming here and to be committed to a church, God. And it's such a blessing in our life. And God, if there's somebody in this room or maybe somebody who's listening online who hasn't yet made that decision, God, I pray that today would be the day. Not that they'd have everything figured out, but God, they would just say, listen, I'm going to be committed to you, God. I don't know what that means. But, but God, I ask that you would forgive me for the things that I've done. I'm going to accept your free gift of grace. And I'm going to start living my life the way that you want me to do it. And God, I just pray that as your church, we would be a place where we could come. And, and no matter who you are or what you've done, we just say, welcome home. We're glad you're here. And God, we would have that maturity to understand that things might not always go the way we planned. <laughs> it might not always get what I want out of the situation, God, but relationships aren't about what I can get from somebody. It's what I can give to them and how I can bless them. And we would have the maturity to know that I'm not, I'm not gonna take the easy way out and just walk out the door. I'm gonna sit down. I'm gonna have those tough conversations sometimes. God, I thank you for the ministry. God, I thank you for this opportunity, October 31st where we can be a blessing in our community. We can open our doors and we can say, come, and we're gonna bless you with candy or, or whatever we decide to do from that, God. As an opportunity as a church together, we can give our gifts that each one of us have in the unique way that you've given it. And God, I thank you that we are a church on a mission. We're on your mission. God, I just pray that you would continue to open my heart and open my eyes to opportunities that you present. But God, I know every single person in this room is where they are right now because you want them to be on your mission. And maybe it's not being in a play. Maybe it's just as simple as asking one of their coworkers, hey, can we go grab a cup of coffee? I just wanna, I just wanna talk and get to know you better. Not for what you can get out of the relationship, God, but maybe because you have, we have something that they need and that's you. And we wouldn't see him as a project, God. We would just see him as somebody that we love who needs to know you and love and serve you. God, I thank you for this church and I just ask 
that you would give us the wisdom on how to deal with those relationships and become godly in the way that you've called us to be. We thank you and we praise you and ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Step down into darkness, open my eyes, let me see beauty that made this heart adore you, hope of a life spent with you, and here I am to worship, here I am to bow down. Amen, church. I love being your pastor. Thank you so much. Go make it a great week. Uh, if you have these connection cards, again, if, you, if you're online, if you have questions, you can mark that. Put it in that basket of guest services. Um, we'd love to see and hear from you again. Go make it a great week, church. Thanks so much for listening. If you live in the Yankton area, we'd love for you to join us Sundays at 1030 a.m. at 310 Walnut Street. 
You can check out more content on our website, yankton.church, or our YouTube channel, at Celebrate Yankton. If you enjoy this podcast, please subscribe to it and share with others. God bless. Thank you.